and welcome to another edition of Happy Hour Express on the Straight Pick Podcast, where we bring you everything you need to know from this week in golf in under 15 minutes or so, presented by Encore Golf and the Bureau X1 Golf Ball. Today, we have a very special guest joining us from New York City, where she's hosting the Olympic Games for NBC Sports. My old desk buddy at Golf Channel, great golfer and great friend, Cara Banks. Cara, thanks for joining us today. Oh, it's so good to see you. I am a golfer, let's say, not a great golfer. You know that, but um, it's so good to see you. I always listen to this. I was just saying to you before we started recording, I love the happy hour. So thanks for having me. Well, thank you for joining us. You're in New York City right now. Tell us what you're up to because it's an exciting couple of weeks for you. Yeah, it's wild. This is my first um, Olympics that I've covered for NBC. So because of COVID and, and social distancing, they can't have obviously everyone in Tokyo. So they usually have most people in Stanford, which is the home of NBC Sports and where we're now based for Golf Channel. But we can't even have everyone there because there's just so many people. So we're kind of a little splinter uh, group who are working out of 30 Rock, the home of NBC News. And we are producing all the coverage for the NBC SN channel. So it's cool. It's kind of a big um, stint with the two and a half weeks of work. And it's crazy hours for most people involved with the Olympics, given that Tokyo are 13 hours ahead. But it's a heck of an experience. I'm learning a lot and I'm enjoying it and working with new people. And we are right in Midtown. So we're in the heart of Manhattan and I'm kind of getting my bearings for being a New Yorker for a couple of weeks. But you moved to Connecticut, obviously, with Golf Channel, like you just said. How has that been? You're furthering your career, obviously, with NBC Sports. You announced you're pregnant with your second baby, baby girl. Like, these are exciting times for you. Yeah, they are. It's been a lot this year, but it's great. We love it up here. We, you know, my husband and I are both English, so we live in New England now. It feels a little bit more familiar, I suppose, to what, the way we grew up at home. So we love it. We, we live in Fairfield in Connecticut, which is which is not far from Stanford. And we've, we've bought a house that we're still trying to settle into because we bought it just before or just as the, the crazy major season was kicking off. So we're sort of home for a bit and traveling home for a bit. Um, so we'll try and get some things together before, yeah, the baby arrives in November and then we have um, family coming out for Christmas. So it's cool. It's been a, it's been a big change, but um, we're really enjoying it. Hectic is good, but the most important question, have you been playing any golf? Yes. So funnily enough, we joined in May straight away, soon after we straight away. After buying a house, um, Ollie, my husband, said, we got, we got to join a country club. And I said, whoa, one step at a time. But he was totally right. He just said, you know, um, it's such a big part of our lives, and it is. So let's go for it. So we have joined Brooklawn Country Club, which this week is hosting the U.S. Senior Women's Open, which is pretty cool. Um, sadly, I'm not able to be there at all during the tournament because I'm I'm over here doing this. But, yeah, we've, we've joined a country club, which is just huge because obviously golf is a massive part of our lives and having just moved somewhere new it'll be a nice chance to meet people and um having kids and and getting them involved with stuff so even in the winter like apparently paddle tennis is a massive thing up here when the golf courses are closed which was never something we had to deal with in florida obviously um and bowling and all that kind of stuff and then uh, shane bacon who now works at the golf channel as well just joined i think in june so we got a few people there already well, that's super exciting. I know you played at the Ritz when you were here in Orlando. Um, I love it out there. So I'm glad you found a new home. That's so exciting. I know. I'm like part of a ladies section, like for the first time ever, which I've, I've never really done. So it's cool. It's good. It'll be good for my game, I think, playing regularly when I'm here. Um, so, yeah, we're happy. We're, we're slowly, slowly building our roots. 
I love that. Well, we know that the Tokyo Olympics are underway. Golf started this week. What's been the buzz? Kind of obviously you're working with a ton of people in the space on all different sports, I would imagine. So what's what are some of the storylines that you guys are following closely, both in golf and in other sports? Yeah, well, so I'm not that involved with the Golf Olympics from what I'm doing with NBCSN because that's obviously purely on Golf Channel, which is great. So easy to find. You know, if you want to watch the golf, go on to Golf Channel. And Anna Whiteley, I'll go, Anna and, and the guys, Brandlin, know to kick it off every night at around five. Um, and then you can watch watch it live in primetime. So that's there. Similar to the tennis, the tennis is over on the Olympic Channel, so that's pretty easy to find. And then obviously there's NBC. USA and us on NBCSN and we kind of split up the rest of the sports between us so the swimming and gymnastics and stuff you're always going to see in in prime time and, and everything with Mike Tirico but it's pretty much a free-for-all with 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 everything else we I mean I was learning about women's team foil fencing this morning which let me tell you I was I was quite into um and yeah so we could go from canoeing to fencing to judo to basketball to soccer to anything so it's that's what i love about the olympics and i was just saying this to one of our producers this morning is you can have any sport thrown at you and you just learn about them and um you know cover the game and what's happening and it's that's what's been such a cool experience about it is is how new a lot of the things are i mean you can turn on the tv right now and watch ping pong like it's incredible the way the olympics um kind of brings so much knowledge about these other sports and what I love and I was just talking to my boyfriend about this is how the announcers so easily explain the sport as if you don't know anything because we don't you know what I mean like you're watching gymnastics and you're like I have no idea what's happening and they explain everything so much in like elementary detail that it's easy to kind of become a fan well props to the NBC research team for that because we do have this enormous well I don't it's not even printed this year it's all digital but it's normally like a huge binder of notes on every sport but it's it's you can access it all digitally so and it's quite funny actually when you go to a sport that you know like for me football soccer it's explained so basically about how the game works which kind of makes me laugh like it would do for people I guess with basketball when you you know that's a game that you really understand but you need that level of detail when it comes to canoeing or you know judo or whatever it might be that you don't know personally you kind of need that basic detail so they really help us it's honestly a massive a massive team event they really help us try and do our jobs well i looked at um i was looking at the olympics app and i looked at the description of golf and i was like this is makes it seem so easy like there's no way it's this easy the way it's explained (laughs) right now it's so funny, but I know that you're a big skier. I know this is obviously the Summer Olympics, but you've also covered tennis. I know you're in, you've got your hand in everything this year, but what's your favorite Olympic event to watch that's not golf? Well, that is a great question. Uh, yeah, I do love the Winter Olympics because I kind of grew up um, on skis from the age of four on the mountains. So I, and, and what's crazy about the Winter Olympics is that they're going to come in like, what, six months' time. Usually you have a year and a half after the summer games before the winter games. But obviously, because this is a year later than originally scheduled in February, the winter games are going to be in Beijing. So, like, I've always loved um, skiing, whether it be slalom skiing, GS, downhill. That's that's kind of what I grew up knowing. Um, at, at these summer games, I'm, I'm keeping a close eye on, on sailing because we actually have a good friend um, called Saskia Tidy, who is part of one of the sailing teams for Great Britain. And they're leading right now, which is really cool. Um, but then stuff in the pool, like it's always so exciting. And what I love about watching the swimming is... 
you, you know, Dan Hicks, who we know week in, week out from the golf, is is calling the swimming like swimming like he does every Olympics with the rowdy games. And it's just cool to hear familiar voices. Same thing actually with Terry Gannon at the gymnastics and just part of the NBC family all doing other bits and bobs. So yeah, I would say those are the two I've really enjoyed. And then there was such a good story from the British team as well. Obviously, we've had great stories with Caleb Dressel last night in the swimming and what's just happened in the gymnastics. Obviously, Simone pulling out, but Suni Lee winning gold. And then, you know, just there's really cool stories that come out of everything. There's a, there's a young British diver who has been like a poster boy for diving in England for years, for like 13 years. And he finally won gold at the Games this year, having just um, won bronze a couple of times before. So it's cool. You you know, you get to know the personal stories of these athletes and the, and the families. And actually a feature I would say that NBC are doing really well this time around, given the circumstances, is the watch parties for Team USA, like there's a huge big um, spot in Orlando at Universal Resort and they've got all the families together and they, they can watch watch when their son or husband or whoever it might be or daughter or sister, whatever, is 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 racing live. And, and it's just great to still be able to see their reaction and their encouragement, despite I'm sure it must be so hard for these families not being able to have made the trip. Rapsodo Mobile Launch Monitor. Improve your golf swing today. Pro-level launch data in the palm of your hand. It is very accurate within 2% of a $20,000 unit. The Rapsodo MLM app automatically tracks stats and stores video with Shot Tracer. Helpful for club gapping and understanding true distances for each club. Rapsodo MLM provides immediate feedback data and creates a better practice environment, not mindlessly hitting balls, extremely portable cases about the size of a rangefinder. And you know what? You can use it both indoors and outdoors. I love this launch monitor. It's the Rapsodo mobile launch monitor. Check it out at rapsodo.com. R-A-P-S-O-D-O.com. Rapsodo.com. Yeah, I was actually just talking about that last night. It felt like when we were watching, when I was watching the golf alone, because that's what I watch primarily week to week, it, it felt like it was the middle of COVID again, because everything was quiet on TV. There were no fans. I wasn't looking at any fans, no roars. I mean, it's just, I kind of feel like we've transformed like back a few months since we've had fans on the PGA Tour. It just feels weird. I know. And I was talking to someone this morning about, beach volleyball and he was like normally that's one of the coolest sports to go and watch I haven't really covered much beach volleyball yet but he said and now it's just like people playing volleyball on the beach (laughs) (laughs) which I guess it is but yeah so it's kind of I'm sure really weird for these athletes to perform in these conditions but the one good thing like at least with the pool we've seen this a lot is the whole of that like team USA come out and they all cheer each other on and there's quite a big group from a sport like swimming so and there's all the media and stuff but yeah it's it's strange and watching golf tee off last night there being this huge grandstand on the first tee but obviously nobody in it do you think that this is the best way to format the olympics for golf and if not what would you propose because i definitely think that stroke play is an interesting way to I mean, they say it's Team USA, but does it really have anything to do with the team besides the fact that the the medal technically counts for Team USA if they win one? Does that make sense? Yeah, no, I totally agree. Um, 
I totally understand. Funnily enough, I spoke to Anthony Scanlon about this years ago when the golf was just brought back into the Olympics. He was head of the um, IGF, the, the International Golf Federation, obviously responsible for the Olympics. And he just said that it's not like they hadn't thought about all the different options they could do, match play, team events, etc. But their number one goal, they realized, was they wanted to keep the big names there for as long as they possibly can. And if you have a match play tournament and you could lose Rory McIlroy on the first day, that's not ideal. Um, and they realized that this is obviously the format that works best because it's what's used primarily on the golf tour, week in, week out, um, all season long. So that's why they've they've gone with this because in their eyes, it is the most successful format. However, personally, I agree. I would love to see a mixed team event. So I would, and you know, I don't know, you could have several teams per country depending on the qualifying criteria. But just thinking about it back in the day, I mean, imagine a Michelle Wee and a Tiger Woods paired up together um, for Team USA or whatever it might be, you know, a Lexi Thompson and a Bryson DeChambeau or something. I think that would be really cool because we don't, there is really no other opportunity in the game to do that right now because obviously the PGA Tour and LPGA Tour are kind of separate entities, albeit aligned. Um, so I, and I love match play, obviously, you know, that's why we love events like the Ryder Cup and um, it makes them stand out. And this is a different event. It should stand out. It's um, so different to, to a normal event on the PGA Tour, European Tour, whatever it might be. And I think you hear that from the players when they turn up this week. You know, not a, not every golfer has bought into the Olympics yet. We know that. There, there's a lot of big names who have chosen not to go. But then for the ones that are there, when they arrive and you hear them, like, starstruck and in awe, Justin Thomas, Tommy Fleetwood, Paul Casey, about where they are, Patrick Reed making that last-minute trip, you realise how special and how cool it is. Um, so... Yeah, I'd love to see something that put the men and women playing together in a team. But there would be other factors to figure out, like, you know, obviously the different tees, but that would work if it's a man and woman in every team. Um, maybe that would make it only a week rather than now we have two weeks because we have a, obviously the men's and the women's tournament. And would you bring in some kind of a pool play rather than straight knockout like we have in the WGC match play so that you don't lose some people after after one day? Plus, are you going to want to travel all that way if you could just play one day of competitive golf and be done? So I think there's so many factors that the organisers have to think about um, and hence why they've they've gone with the 72-hole stroke play for now. But I, I don't know how set in stone that is. Do you, I mean, you mentioned how obviously some of the top players in the world didn't make the trip. They didn't see maybe the value in playing in the Tokyo Olympics. How do we get not only the players, but the viewers? I even think on Twitter, people don't care as much this week. How do we fix that? I mean, it is a standalone event. It might not be a major, but it's a big deal. We need the big players to go. That's how you get the viewers interested. You know, the strength of field this week isn't as strong as it could be. But to be fair, a huge part of that is the fact that John Rahm and Bryson DeChambeau, two of the highest ranked players, got pulled out, um, obviously not through their own doing, through through testing positive after landing in Tokyo. Um, so I think, I just think the more that we get the opportunity, this is obviously only the second time we have golf back in the Olympics. And let's not forget in Rio, some people like Rory McIlroy actually chose not to go because the Zika virus was a, was a big thing um, that year. And someone like Rory, who's a real statesman for the game, I think he realizes how important this is for the game to put it on that global stage. Um, you just got to imagine like a Justin Thomas comes home and, and speaks to his friends about 
how incredible this experience was, which he's already kind of oozing about, yet he hasn't even experienced half of what Ricky Fowler was able to experience in 2016 when he could go to the opening ceremony and he could go to watch other events at, you know, at other uh, sports complexes and stuff. So I just think, well, it's also a personal decision, but I was going to say it's like it hasn't been lost on the GB boys because they know they're defending gold in theory from what Justin Rose did. But then it has been, I guess, because Tyrrell Hatton chose not to go. So did uh, Matt Fitzpatrick and Lee Westwood. The scheduling is probably a big part of it. It's out in Asia. Um, It's a COVID year. So anytime you travel, there are risks. Plus, you can't have the full Olympic experience that you would normally have. Um, So I think hopefully as we go on, we're not going to have a lot of those issues. I mean, in 2024, the Olympics is going to be in Paris. I would I couldn't understand why any European golfer would would not go to to those games and and American golfers at that it's it's not as big a trip but obviously we have four majors in the game we have a FedEx Cup we have a Ryder Cup this year so um it's just a lot to fit in 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 the schedules and that's what some people choose but I think the more that we see players medal in Olympic golf the more appealing it would be Whereas I don't think people really knew how to, like Rory McIlroy said this week, he goes, I don't know how it would feel to win an Olympic medal because I've never dreamt of winning an Olympic medal. I've dreamt of winning green jackets and claret jugs. But maybe if he does win an Olympic medal, his mind will change a bit like when he first played in the Ryder Cup. Yeah, I mean, that's a great point. It has only been back for a couple of years. And I think it has golf itself in the Olympics has some proving itself to do, if that makes sense. Do you agree? I don't know that proving itself is the right word because we couldn't have got a better final day last in Rio. Could, I mean, we had Justin Rose, Henrik Stenson and Matt Kuchar as the three medalists. It was brilliant. And then in in the women's game, we had Inby Park, Lydia Ko and Chan Chan Fung, three of the best players on that side. I Maybe it has to prove itself to the players a bit more um, to get everyone to go over. But, you know, golfers are independent contractors. They always have been in control of their own schedule. So um, they're always going to have the ability to to make their own decisions. And the difficult thing about golf and tennis and basketball, where we often see not all of the top players go, is the the Olympics haven't always been the pinnacle of their sport because they have majors or grand slams or NBAs or whatever it might be. So uh, the NBA finals, whatever it could be in that sport. I hope it gets there. The other thing is, is it's once every four years, right? So some people will look at that like, you know, Paul Casey, I think, said this week, it's once every four years. Why would I not, you know, make time to go? But then I guess other people could look at that on the other side thinking, well, I have to prioritize the big events that I prioritize every year. Um, and if I can't get this one in, then that's the one I'll drop. I do think the fact that this is in Japan, the COVID pandemic is a massive part of it, probably hasn't helped um, with some of those big names choosing not to go. Yeah, that's a great point. Just like everything, I mean, you can you can choose to see either side of it. And I'm sure that, you know, the players who decided not to go um, feel very at peace with their decision. And everybody obviously has a different choice to make. But I think that's a great point is that scheduling is tough, um, especially. And we should have this conversation again on Monday morning. Who knows? I mean, will we be blessed with as great a medalist as we had last time? It's, it's hard to predict that. Yeah, well, one last thing, Cara. We have the women's tournament coming up next week, of course. It starts on Wednesday, just like the men started on Wednesday. Um, Are there any storylines or girls that are making the trip to Tokyo that you are going to be having an eye on? 
You know, I'm I'm really excited to see how the American women perform because it's just cool to see the likes of of Nelly Corder, well, both Nelly and Jess, her sisters, having made the team, and her the I think Seb made it for the tennis. That was just such a cool story that I was following obviously during their last week of qualifying at the major championships and then when Seb was playing at Wimbledon so uh, I saw Lexi just got her hair colored with the with the red and blue in um nice to see her getting all patriotic um and Danielle of course so but I do see the point that you made earlier that we say they're a team but they're not really a team they're competing individually you know there's been a lot of a lot of conversation this week about the men's uh, South Korean team obviously trying to avoid the um, mandatory military service with with what they're doing. And, you know, you look at their players and the two guys aren't, you kind of think about, oh, yeah, they're going to do it together. And then you're like, no, they're not going to do it together. If Siwoo Kim wins, it doesn't help both of them out. It only helps one of them out. So, um, yeah, it, it, the team thing does kind of confuse you a little bit, even though you're just all playing so representing the same country. The other big part of this is for the women's next week, Obviously, I've always got my eye on Team GB as well. And I'm so pleased to see Mel Reid um, playing well, having qualified for the Olympics and, you know, having to face a pretty tough decision. And she couldn't play in Evian because she couldn't. There is so much testing that is involved with getting to Tokyo, whether you're an athlete or a member of the media. Um, she couldn't get out of France in time to travel from England to, to get to Tokyo. So, you know, that's the other end of the stick, isn't it? She, like the South Korean team on the men's, they're happy to put a major aside for a year to focus on the Olympics because they realise how big a deal the Olympics are. So um, I can't wait to see yeah, how Mel Reid gets on out there. I was working with her at the Ryder Cup in Paris just a couple of years ago and she was on the verge of quitting the game. And, and here she is like an LPGA winner and bound to be back on that um, Seoul Home Cup team and, and at the Olympics as well. So, um yeah, I saw like a DT's already out there representing India and in the player village. And it's just cool. Like I know not everyone goes, but it's just really cool to see people come together in a different way and, and be proud to represent their country in ways that they can't. Like you think about the women, at least on the men's side, they have um, the President's Cup. Really, we only have the Solheim Cup on the on the women's side. So unless you're American or European, someone like Aditi never really gets the chance to play competitively for her country. Um, so it's cool to see some of the some of the names and storylines and countries that we don't get to shine a light on as often as, as we could do. No, that's a great point. I've never really thought about that. Um, speaking of the South Korean guys, and this just popped into my head, is that storyline happening in any other sport? Or are these two guys kind of like very outliers, like this has to happen right now? Are there any other South Koreans in Tokyo that are facing this right now? I actually do not know the answer to that question. I imagine there must be because... I there has to be, but I haven't seen anything about it. No, nor have I. But we are very entrenched in golf, which yeah, might be why. Um, but yeah, if you medal, it must be across the other sports because it's, it's, it's regarding any Olympic medal in any sport. It's just, I don't know whether or not that... Well, there must be, yeah. There must be plenty of other South Korean athletes at that stage of their life who could do with the exemption so yeah there must be and we're just not hearing about them as, as I was widely thinking, i was like i know i'm engrossed in the golf world but i would think any of the articles i read would have said like oh and there's 73 other people who are dealing with the same you know what i mean I right feel like I, I need to go on a google search of that all i can think is some of the other sports aren't week in week out like golf is i mean i'm sure the training is 
but the competition is probably not week in, week out, um, like Sung Im is and Siwoo Kim deal with on the PGA Tour and what we've seen with Sang Moon Bay and how he struggled to come back. So maybe for that reason, it's a bit more topical because they will they will lose out the opportunity to compete every single week um, rather than maybe some of the more traditional Olympic sports have, um, you know, big meets and worlds or whatever um, a couple of times a year, but it's not as regular as as the golf schedule. No, you're pro- you're probably right about that. It's so weird thinking about how normal golf schedules are to us. And then you look at like gymnastics. I mean, the Olympics is, if not wor- world championship, it's like one of the top things you can qualify for and compete in. Whereas golf, it's just we have so many other things that that matter to our players. Well, it's the pinnacle, like isn't it for gymnastics, for swimming, for athletics? You know, we haven't even started track and field yet. That's coming next week for a lot of these sports. I'm sure for fencing, judo, table tennis canoeing sailing all of it you know the olympics are the pinnacle um and i think in a sport like golf or tennis which has these slams and these majors you know it's it's going to be on an equal level to those probably rather than one above novak djokovic is a great example right now he's going for the golden slam which is trying to win all four slams and the gold medal in a year which obviously you only get the opportunity to do once every four years um so I'm sure that to him, this definitely feels like a grand slam. Well, that's so exciting, Cara. I hope you have the best week in New York, or two, two and a half, three weeks almost at this point. <laughs> and congratulations again on your baby girl. And tell everybody we said hello. Thank you so much for joining us. It's a pleasure. And you're the best desk buddy, by the way. I know you now work independently, but if anyone's looking for a girl, Samantha's your. I always, I always got a spare phone cord for you, Cara. That's what I need. She saves me with my phone charge. <laughs> Thanks so much, Cara, for joining us. And we'll get you back on here soon. Have a great week. All right. Speak to you soon. I just want to interrupt this interview real quick and give a shout out to my friends over at Encore Golf. Encore provides some of the most cutting edge technology in a golf ball that I have ever seen. Their team in Buffalo, New York, is changing the script of golf technology through their perimeter-weighted designs, which offer players enhanced accuracy and control for every shot on the course. With their award-winning Elixir and Avant 55 golf balls, they are transforming the game for players of all skill levels. Visit EncoreGolf.com backslash Travis Fulton for more details about their products that are revolutionizing the game. Now back to the Stripe Show.